Father, as we come to you this morning, we lean into you, Holy Spirit, right now. Would you just grip us, arrest our attention so that we're focused upon you this morning. We open ourselves up to you and ask you to blow into our lives right now, God. There's people in this place, God, that are anxious. They're worked up. They're nervous, God. There's something that has preoccupied their mind and their heart. And this morning, let them experience the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I just pray that you would come and wrap your arms around those that have walked into this place that feel that they are less than what they should be. Lord, I've, I've just been gripped with wanting to tell people that they're not a mistake. So this morning, would you let people know that they're not a mistake and you love people right where they're at and just the way they are. And Lord, you want to do even greater things in their life with them, God. So Lord, let people know that you are on their side this morning. And I thank you for bringing all the saints into this place this morning, God. And Father, we pray for our pastor. Thank you for Pastor Lynn and his ministry to this church body, God, for the last 20-some years, God. Lord, we just lift him up and bless he and Sister Brenda this morning, God. Minister to them where they're at. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and we say amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject matter, battle ready. Are you battle ready? This past week has been a, a week of battles. Um, Sister Rhonda was talking to me this morning. and First off, I'd like to give credit. I don't know who the person was that did my screen or for my, my, my picture for me, but whoever that guy was that I found on Google, I give him props. <laughs> It's a pretty cool picture. Um, but I feel like this week has been a week of battle already for me. Um, just getting here, kidney stones and migraines and all that. And, you know, it's been a week of battle. So I want to ask you are, you, are you ready for battle? Are you ready for battle? That's going to be our subject this morning. And we're going to be switching over here in just a few moments to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, so if you want to go there. But there's a gentleman by the name of Leroy Ames who wrote a book, um, a great book if you'd like to pick it up. It's called The Lost Art of Disciple Making. And Leroy tells about the time when he was in the Marines um, serving during World War II. He says that uh, shortly after we hit the beach, our armored amphibious tank took two artillery shells broadside. We immediately evacuated our disabled vehicle and darted from hole to hole toward the enemy airstrip, which was where we were supposed to go and overtake. The sergeant began to check on us and to make sure that we were okay. He crawled over to me and he asked, you all right, Ames? I answered, yeah, I'm okay, Sarge. And he looked at me and he said, Ames, where's your helmet? I felt the top of my head and I answered, must be in the tank, Sarge. Where's your duty belt? Our duty belts carried ammunition for our rifles and a canteen of water and a bayonet. Must be in the tank, Sarge. As a matter of fact, Ames, where's your rifle? And he looked at me, he said he looked at me with disgust and pity from our amphibious tank 
I was dressed about the same way that I would dress to go to a volleyball game. He said, and there I was, hopping from hole to hole and from tree to tree. I read that story and I just kind of thought that kind of sheds some truth and, 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 and reveals some sobering facts of, that we could apply to the modern day church. Most Christians have forgotten that we are involved in a real battle. We, every day, live in a battlefield. And I want you to know something. We don't hear a lot about it anymore because we think it's taboo or we think that it's a boogeyman syndrome or something like that. But there is a very real devil. And he hates your guts. He has your coordinates. He has studied you. He knows what your proclivities are. He knows what your preferences are. He knows uh, your hang-ups. He knows where your blind spots are and where your weak spots are. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what you like. He knows what you don't like. He knows what makes you jealous. He knows what makes you furious. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what makes you sad. He knows how to manipulate you. He knows about your spouse's hang-ups. And he knows about your children. You and I are face-to-face, nose-to-nose, every day with a very real enemy that we don't talk about anymore. So let me ask you a question. The enemy of your soul is real. Scripture talks about how he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the slanderer. He's the father of all lies. And if he's studying you so closely, have you studied him any at all? Or are we chasing rainbows and unicorns and all that in the Christian realm that's out there? Do you know his tactics? Very few in this... This is not coming down, but very few of the Christian world are equipped and ready for a spiritual battle. We're dressed just like Leroy Ames was in the Pacific, engaged in a war that we don't realize that we're engaged in, dressed for a volleyball game. Brother Paul, that sounds wonderful. We're all in a battle, but you see, I didn't enlist. You got the wrong cat. That's not me. I didn't sign up for this war. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> you need to understand that you were made in the image of God. And because you were made in the image of God, he hates you, he hates you, he hates you. And he wants to destroy you from the inside out. So I've got a proposition for you. You can either get dressed for battle or you can prepare to be mercilessly slaughtered. <laughs> in all seriousness, if we're going to be effective in our work, in our walk with the Lord, we have got to be ready to go to war. So, I want to flip over to Ephesians chapter 6. 
We're going to start in verse 10. Let's um, walk through these scriptures for a few moments. Oh, hey, technology. This is great. That's bigger than the font in my Bible anyway. I tell you what, let's do something a little different. Let's all read together, okay? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Go on to the next one, Shane. Therefore, stop. Biblical hermeneutics says, if you see a therefore in scripture, you have to know what it's. Good job. It's because we're in a battle. Remember, it just read. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you... <laughs> take the helmet of salvation, the word of God. Go on to the next one, Brother Shane. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Thank you all. There's not a lot of people that debate the fact, but the, the, there is a debate in the Christian and in the scholarly world that Paul did not write Ephesians. We believe that Paul did write Ephesians and that he was in prison, in house arrest, we'll say house arrest, in Rome. <laughs> There's a lot of allusions to how he's in, uh, in chains and everything. But let me start off by asking you this question as we approach the scripture. Can any of you all tell me who the fastest runner in history is? I can't hear. What was, does anybody know his time? Real fast. As fast as Usain Bolt is, can Usain Bolt run 60, 70, 80 mile an hour? Probably not. Even if he juiced up real good, he probably couldn't do that. But can any of you all go outside, spread your arms, and fly in the sky? No. I bet, though, that if we went and concluded service here and went out into the parking lot, that most of you came in in a vehicle, and you could go out and get in your vehicle, and you could go out and get on Highway 59, Interstate 20, whatever the right word is for it, and you could exceed speeds of 60, 70, 80 mile an hour. I bet that if you got in that car and you drove about an hour that direction, that direction, 
that you could go to a place called Birmingham Shuttlesworth Airport and you could climb aboard a fuselage that would go up into the sky miles above the earth and that you would be able to fly. Why? Because you yielded to the power of the car or of the airplane. Scripture says, finally, be strong in your mighty power, in the Lord's mighty power. Well, we put our faith in God, folks, and in His power, the strength that He has is the strength that we stand behind. He's the one that goes and fights for us. His power becomes our power. Brother Shane, if you'll put that up here, it's liberating whenever the church of God, the people of the church of God realize that you are not your source of strength. I believe that inside of the Pentecostal church, we've got this wrong a lot of times. And what we've done is we've told people that you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. It's not always what we can do. You are not your own source of strength. You are as strong as that in which you trust. If the church of God could get that in their mind, it would liberate the church. Then he goes on in verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Most people hearing this, in this, uh, where, where Paul was supposedly writing and going to be sending this, the, this circular type letter to, um, had seen Roman soldiers many, many times. It's kind of like us seeing people whenever we go into a restaurant now. It is more prevalent than this, but we go into a restaurant. We see people that are dressed up in their National Guard uniform or something like that. Soldiers were everywhere. They were under Roman rule. And um, so Paul uses this word picture of this Roman soldier, and he knows that it will immediately identify with most of the readers so that's what he, he did. He painted this picture with their everyday experience. But I wonder if Paul was writing to people in Alabama, what would Paul write about? Crimson Tide football player, Auburn football player, USS Alabama, um, the Vulcan. Maybe he'd use that as a description. Or maybe this guy named uh, Alexander Shannara. <laughs> He's everywhere. But... The Roman soldier was so prevalent in their mind that they, everybody could identify that with this. And, and the Roman soldier was outfitted. He had what was called a panoplia. That means the, the, the full armor. And Paul doesn't go into everything that the soldiers wore, but he lists just a few things that they wore to help drive home his point. I don't believe that Paul was going overboard trying to get us to build a doctrine on every one of these things, but he just places emphasis uh, saying, you need this quality in your walk with, the God, with, with God. But whenever I read this, the, the Alabama redneck comes out because I, I see this where it says, the schemes of the devil. And I am a hunter. Are there any hunters here this morning? You're a quiet bunch, which you should be when you're hunting. But <laughs> I'm a hunter. My little boy, Tucker, he's a, he's a hunter. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the fall in the woods. But... When I think about where Paul writes schemes of the devil, I think of hunting automatically. Because do you know what extents a hunter will go to to appear invisible in the woods? Stalk. I will put on scent and lure 
I will hide in trees. I will hide in woodpile. I will hide in all sorts of things. I will rattle. I'll bleat. I'll call. I'll make distress sounds. I'll make all kinds of noises because I'm the hunter. What you need to understand is that you're the prey and the devil is the hunter. You need to know his tactics. I remember in high school, I wasn't much of an athlete. Did a short stint playing basketball. And if you ever seen this white boy play ball, you know why I can't play ball. Didn't play, but in high school, the uh, football coach, the wrestling coach, had an office that adjoined the basketball coach. And in this office, they had kind of a smaller office that was a block wall like this. It was dark in there, and he had shelves upon shelves upon shelves of videotapes. And sometimes I'm old enough that we still had reels at times. Anybody remember the reels? Yeah. Well, we had reels, and most of the time we had upgraded. I mean, we were uptown. We were in VCR category at that point. But anyway, hours upon hours, Coach Wilfong and his um, assistant coaches would sit in there, and they would watch the football teams of the, their opponents that they were getting ready to play. And they would watch the plays, and they would watch what they did. Is this making sense with anybody? Basically, that other team that the Scott City Rams was going to play was under surveillance by the Scott City Rams. They were under surveillance. And Coach Wilfong, he had a response to every play that he saw on these videotapes. He knew the other team's tactics. There's a story from World War II concerning General Blood Guts Patton. It's a man's man right there. Patton's troops were, his troops and his tanks were engaged in a successful counterattack of the German forces under General Rommel. And Patton is reported to have shouted in the thick of the battle, I read your book, Rommel! I read your book! <laughs> and he did. Because in 1937, Rommel wrote a book and um, he called it Infantry Attacks. And the famed general in that book carefully detailed and outlined his military strategy. So Patton got the upper hand and he read it and he knew what to expect and he planned and he calculated every possible situation. Now, saints, Satan has not authored any book. But I know a book where the author has detailed and outlined and exposed all of our enemy's tactics. You need to study it so that you know your defense. The key to defeating the devil is to understand how he works and the secret to that is reading about him. 
For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. If we could just ever get just the church, just the church, just to figure out who their real enemy is, what could we get done? Did you know that the enemy is not the person sitting on the end of the pew with you? The enemy is not that jerk down at the end of the office hallway called boss. The enemy is not the person that you gossip about. The enemy, man, y'all are quiet in this Pentecostal church this morning. Your struggle and your, your enemy is against a hellish, evil realm that is out to take your head off. Your enemy is not the person that you spend the time fussing about so much. You got to know your enemy, folks. Therefore, verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, or I cut it off quick there, after you've done everything to stand, Brother Brad, would you and Ashley come help me for a second? Do any of y'all like boxing? I like boxing. Does anybody like MMA? I mean, I, I like MMA. You, you, you bloodthirsty barbarian, Paul. I can't believe that you like MMA. Or an MMA match. Who was it that uh, Conor McGregor just fought not too long ago? The, what's that? I don't know if I want to be up there right now. <laughs> You're all I got, bro. You're all I got. Who was it that Conor McGregor fought not too long ago? There was a professional. Huh? Mary Mayweather. That's right. Did you see how contentious all that stuff leading up to the fight was? So I want you to imagine whenever it says, stand your ground, I need you like you're at the way in and you're getting ready to take pictures. Have you ever seen these guys where, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all smiles, it's not like this, but have you ever seen it where the hatred is so thick and then they get closer and they get closer and they get closer and then it's, they, you just ruined my whole illustration. This is what scripture is talking about. Stand your ground because at weigh-in, how many times have you seen these guys where they're not going to start swinging, but their heads are hitting up against each other and they're pushing just like a couple billy goats, you know? Sometimes their noses get nose to nose. You guys can go. You, you guys have been a lot of help. Go sit down, okay? Let's see if I can bring this back on point here. <laughs> the definition of stand your ground is a Greek word. Yeah, here you go, Paul. Uh, it's called antheistome. And it, it's a similar word to something called a histamine, antihistamine. You ever heard that word? Okay. Let me, let me just read this to you. Um, 
to cause to stand. The verb suggests vigorously opposing, bravely resisting, standing face to face against an adversary, standing your ground, just as an antihistamine puts a block on a histamine, antihistamine tells that with the authority and the spiritual weapons granted to us, we can withstand evil forces. Gary Redding writes, he says, during the war between the states, a Union soldier from Ohio, well, I know we don't like Union people here, I'm sorry, um, but a Union soldier from Ohio was shot in the arm during the Battle of Shiloh. And his captain saw that he had been wounded and he barked an order. He said, give me your gun, private, and get to the rear. The private handed over his rifle and he ran toward the north seeking safety. But after covering 200 and then 300 yards, he came upon another skirmish. It says, then he ran east, east and into another part of the battle. And then he ran west, but he encountered more fighting there. Finally, he ran back to the front lines shouting, give me back my gun, Captain. There ain't no rear to this battle. I want you to understand that in spiritual warfare, there's no rear to the battle. There's nowhere to run. The battle rages and wages all around us every day. And then we're going to get into what it says here. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness, breastplate of righteousness in place. This was more of a girdle than it is a belt like what's trying to hold my pants up right now. This girdle encircled the waist and acted kind of like what a back brace does. And then the, the soldier, because they, they wore loose clothing and everything, and that clothing could get caught and hung up on things, and they were able to tuck into this girdle. And it protected the midsection and provided the soldier with a place to restrain his garments. Knowing the truth, church, will stabilize you. It will bring stability to your life. It'll protect you from being tripped up and caught up in battle. The breastplate of righteousness refers to, you know, like the, the picture that I had up here was metal armor. This was more leather armor whenever this was written. But the breastplate of righteousness refers to the leather body armor that was worn to protect the vital tender areas of the body, specifically the heart. And when we live a righteous life that's consecrated before God, you and I are less prone to get tripped up and caught up and on the attacks that come our way. Our hearts are guarded. You ever just pray, God, guard my heart? Guard my heart. 15, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The footwear that the Roman soldier wore was sandals, and they took nails and drove through. They were the predecessor. Was it the predecessor? Pre-runner. We'll say the pre-runner. They were the pre-runner to modern-day cleats. Help them gain ground and to hold their ground without slipping. Have you ever slipped? Yeah. So feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It could mean a, several things for the believer. First off, that we need to be well grounded in the things of God. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, let's just move on here. But our feet have to be prepared for battle. 
whenever we go out. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, you can ex which will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I want you to understand something. This shield of faith, this isn't some Frodo Baggins little type size of a paper plate shield. This is a square, rectangular shield that will hide the soldier. And oftentimes it was, it was a wooden shield. They wrapped it in leather and then they would take it and they would dip it in water and let it soak because they did shoot flaming arrows. The flaming arrow would hit that wood and get in that leather and it would quench it. It put the arrow out. Paul reminds the believers that when we go into battle, we have to have the shield in our possession. Our shield isn't leather, but our shield is faith. And it needs to be soaked in the water of the word. Our shield will never expose the carrier. Then we got the helmet of salvation. He says, take a, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to pay close attention to this. Regardless of how good the soldier was outfitted, one blow, just one blow, his body could be covered, his feet could be covered, his legs could be covered, his organs could be covered. Just one blow to an unprotected head would kill him just like that. One strike. And there's a popular lady Christian speaker who wrote a whole book called The Battlefield for the Mind. There's a battle for your mind. And salvation is the first step for a renewed mind. But then we got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is one of the only, this is, as Paul mentions, it's the only offensive weapon in the soldier's panoplia that we were talking about a while ago. But this isn't like a Viking sword that you see that we all think is cool. This was like a it's closer to a dagger. It was small and you could get in areas close in battle. You could jab them. And you could do more damage than trying to throw around this big broadsword type thing. And it was effective. Now, for the Christian though, our sword is the Word of God. And this is what's kind of cool about this. We read all through Scripture about the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. First John chapter 1, right? You can go through there. Most of the times in Scripture when you read about the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word is talking about a Greek word called logos, which um, logos refers to the totality of. But this right here where Paul or whoever the author is that writes this, he doesn't use the word logos. He uses the word rhema. It's a different, it's a different word. Do you know what rhema is? Rhema is a specific word for right now. In your battle against the enemy, one of your main, your, your main offensive weapons is that word of God. But you'll never know the right rhema until you know the Logos. You've got to know this. 
Because your rhema, well, Jesus, he had a rhema word whenever he was being tested in the desert. And his, his rhema, where was it? Was it in Leviticus? Or I'm trying to remember where it was. But your rhema may come from James, or it may come from Joshua, or it may come from 1 Peter, or it may come from 1 Samuel. Or, but you've got to know the Logos before you can know your rhema. And pray in the Spirit with all, or on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. You know, in battle, communication with headquarters has probably caused many wars to go the wrong direction. It has always been an issue on the battlefield to keep in contact with HQ. And in the Christian's battle against the enemy, the Holy Spirit obliterates that hurdle. We have, check this out, folks. We don't have sketchy reception. We don't have dead zones. We don't have anything like that. We have direct access. Direct access with the one who hears all, with the one who sees all, with the one who knows all. He knows which direction the enemy is routing. But it's our responsibility to be in the spirit. To be in the spirit. All the technological advances that the, the, the intelligence community employs, there are still can't find. But you know what? There's no place that the enemy can go but what God doesn't know where he's at. And if we stay in contact with the Holy Spirit, there's no place that the enemy can go. No way, there's, there, there's just no place that he can go to to get away and hide. Do not neglect the power of prayer in your battle. Do not neglect. And then he says, pray also for me that whenever I, seek, whenever I speak words may be given to me so I will fearlessly Make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it, what's that word? Fearlessly. Fearlessly as I should. Team, you can come back up. I want to I conclude here, and what I'm thinking about is that there, there seems to be a lot of emphasis toward the end of this where Paul wants people to be brave, to be fearless. So I want to I reemphasize something this morning. And I'm getting ready to wrap this up here. Don't get too anxious on me. We are engaged in a battle. And I go and tell people all the time in the marketplace that Jesus loves you. And God has a plan for your life. Well, I want you to know this morning as we close this down that the devil has a plan for you too. And it's not a Jeremiah 29, 11 plan either. It's not good. It's not a good intention for you at all. There's, a, there's one more story that I want to share with you. This happens from the Korean War. Um, As enemy forces advanced, Baker Company was cut off from the rest of their unit. It says, for several hours, no word was heard 
from HQ. And even though the headquarters, or no, no word was heard from Baker Company, headquarters had been trying to reach out and get Baker Company. Um, headquarters have repeatedly tried to communicate with the missing troops, but nothing. Finally, a faint signal was received. And straining to hear, the corpsman asked, Baker Company, do you read me? And um, this is Baker Company, came the reply. He says, what is your situation, asked the corpsman. Here's what he said. He said, the enemy is to the east of us. The enemy is to the north of us. The enemy is at the west of us, and the enemy is south of us. Then after a brief pause, the sergeant from Baker Company said with determination, the enemy is not going to get away from us this time. I, I just think that the kingdom needs some people that are willing to say the enemy is not going to get away this time. Some people that are resolute, some people that have a backbone of steel for the kingdom. What do you think? I need you to understand something, folks. We are not fighting for victory. We sang a song a while ago talk about hope is alive. Hope is alive. And I had to scribble this down. The victory is now. They just kept talking about, there was that stanza that kept going in that the victory is, is won. The victory is won. Friends, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. The victory's already been won. Our commander has already won. All we have to do is suit up. We have to prepare and go stand. And wait in line for our marching orders. At the end of that, verse 18, 19 talks about how um, please pray for the saints. Pray also for me. So this morning, what I want to do when we conclude, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word of the Lord and to come down here. And I can pray for you if you want to, but what I would really love to see is for us to pray for each other that we be made fearless. God, as I, as I connect with this brother, as I connect with this sister, pray that God would build them up and strengthen them so that they are fearless to go fight. Father, as we respond now, God, I just pray that you would capture our hearts, God, and Lord, that we would, that we would suit up for battle. And Lord, that we would be willing to go, stand, fight, do whatever it is. But Lord, we're going to follow after you. We're going to listen to the, the words of our commander.